you for joining us for this episode of That's All A Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane of Voice Matters, my wonderful co-host Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro, and today we have a guest. We are absolutely thrilled to be joined once again by Chip Griffin of the Small Agency Growth Alliance. Hello, Chip. It is great to be back here. I love being with the two of you. Ah, likewise, likewise. We're so excited. This totally makes our week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So we're talking trends today and top of mind for most people in PR and beyond is, of course, AI. It's, you know, it's being thrown around in the news and people either are using it or are afraid of it or just completely ignorant of it. But it's here. And you know, as PR pros, we like to think of ourselves as savvy smarties. We're just wondering, what's what's your take of, of what you're seeing out there right now? Well, the, my, my wise guy answer that I gave to an agency owner who asked me a, a couple of weeks ago about it, I said, AI, what, what's that? I haven't really heard much about this. <laughs> and, and he at first thought I was serious. Um, in any case, it, I mean, look, AI is absolutely top of mind for just about everybody right now. Sure. It, is, it is something that I don't think I've had a conversation with any agency owner who hasn't brought it up. It is something that all communicators are talking about. Some are afraid of it. Some are excited about it. Very few are really squarely in the middle as far as I've seen. And I think that really it's just incumbent upon folks to learn as much as they can about what new opportunities exist out there and figure out how they can implement it within their own businesses, whether you're a solo or in-house or whatever. There's a lot of things that you can do with AI to make you more effective, more efficient. And I would be focused on that rather than on the, the scary side of it that a lot of people like to, to dwell on from time to time. Right, right. Like the the recent letter of doom from hundreds of tech leaders. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and you have to keep in mind that, that a lot of time, I mean, if, if you have the people who are already involved in AI saying, hey, we need to regulate it, usually that's because they want to protect their own stake. And exactly. in, 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 you see this in many industries, the large players often call for more regulation because it keeps out upstarts and it protects their position. So I, I would take that with a grain of salt personally. Yeah. Nice big shaker of salt. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it reminds me of every technological invention that has ever happened, how there is this fear that it's going to disrupt our way of life. And I'm not saying that the concerns around AI are not well-founded. They are. So as communicators, I agree with you. We need to use it. We need to learn it. And we also do need to be aware of the risk and the concerns around it so that we can guard against that. So one big one for me is understanding how AI can be used to spread mis, dis, malinformation which is a growing problem and it has been for many years and it continues yeah. to, to be something that we really have to deal with. So you really have to understand it so that you can educate your clients and that so you know how to monitor their brand reputation because you don't want false statements attributed to clients. You know, if anybody's operating without crisis plans, you need to get on top of that immediately because these are all things that, can and do happen, particularly for high profile individuals where images are being used and manipulated and, and they're getting better. You know, AI technology is getting better. So it can be more difficult to spot the fakes than in the past. 
But this is, I mean, it really isn't something new. It does make it easier. It does make it more polished in some cases. You know, if you take a look at what Photoshop has done now with with its ability to use generative AI, it's it's really, frankly, amazing. As a photographer, I love what it allows me to do for my clients in a in a good way. But it certainly does open up other risks. But I, I think we've just that that's an uh, extension of what we've seen for a long period of time. And so we we absolutely need to be attuned to it. But at the same time. We, we shouldn't shy away from it and say, geez, you know, we we don't really want to touch this AI thing, which I've seen some communicators say, you know, we don't we won't use any any content that's AI generated or AI influenced or anything like that. I think that's bonkers. I think you need to to be in a position where you're leveraging AI effectively. And the reality is AI is going to change PR and marketing. It, yeah. it absolutely is. There's no way that PR and marketing five years from now looks exactly the same way that it did last year because AI will have changed it. But that doesn't mean that's a bad thing. It just means you need to adapt. If you're putting out schlock content, yeah, AI probably is going to replace you. So don't yeah. put out schlock content. But that would be my advice even before AI came around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I will also say, you know, I am have just tried to be an avid learner. And so I've used it right from the beginning. And as an example, yesterday I went in and so I use, I use it for like idea, you know, the idea mm-hmm. generation. I'll, I've done, you know, I've experimented with things. Like I've said, I'm pitching this, what are the best reporters? And it spit back a list that matched my list perfectly. Mm. But there was one reporter that I hadn't thought of that actually was perfect. And so why wouldn't why wouldn't I use a tool that's going to help me to do my job better? So yesterday I had to write a press release for me, and I gave it very specific points like here's some bullet here here's what I'm doing, you know, write a press release regarding this. So I gave it the information, I fed it some key you know points and bullet points. The press release came back, and I shot it to our shared drive, and I shared it with my colleague, and I was like, check out what what um, AI did, not meaning like, okay, it's time for you to edit this because I had not gone in and done, you know, the personalization and the edits. It was so good that she went in, she goes, oh, I only have one change. And I started laughing. I go, yeah, I hadn't worked on that. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously we did not send that version to the client, but it just goes to show that it was, it was good. It was actually a good, and it's because I've gotten better at asking it to do things. So I've noticed from my early efforts that the content that it generates has gotten much more refined because I've learned how to really work with it. Why wouldn't I, as a PR pro, spend my time using my brain for my clients and really adding value spending more time on the strategic work, spending more time on the deep focus work, a press release is table stakes. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why people are fighting this so hard or making it seem like it's this horrible, terrible thing if AI assisted you. Yes, I use AI in my work. It streamlines a lot of tasks. It's capable of doing a lot of things and helping me to grab time back that can be used for higher value activities. So I think people just, you know, they're make it. There's like these camps setting up, like yeah. AI, or you're less of a PR pro if you use it. And I think that's just wrong. No, yeah, I, I I'm seeing it too. I mean, and you, I'm seeing different articles, and it makes perfect sense. You know, to stay sharp, those of us who learn how to use AI well in our work 
are the ones who are going to keep up and or stay ahead of the curve if you totally table it. What's the point? And, and I was heartened. You know, I belong to the Philadelphia PR Association, and we had a session last week with three profs from Temple, and they are helping their students do that very thing, you know, learn how to use this. You know, they aren't, you know, it's it's not, you know, sadly, I, I've i seen some from the English departments going like, oh, my gosh, make it go away. <laughs> like, okay, I get that to a point. But it was really heartening to see them both embrace it and and truly study what what does this mean for our profession moving forward. So I'm, I'm definitely encouraged. And, you know, it's exciting, too, because why why not try and save time? And I don't know about about both of you, but many times, you know, there is that deeper strategic thinking that you sometimes don't have the opportunity to get to because you're, okay, we need this, we need that, we need this. This could solve for that, for sure. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I, if I'm a solo or a small agency, I'm really excited about AI because it's a force multiplier for me. Right. It is giving me resources that I would have had to pay a lot for and probably couldn't have afforded earlier. I, I, I describe AI in mid-2023 as basically like having an intern. Most of the time, it does a pretty decent job at what you ask it to do. Sometimes it really knocks your socks off and you're like, wow, that's great. And occasionally it's just awful and and you've got to start over. But that's, I mean, that's what having an intern is. And, you know, Karen, you described having to learn how to use it. It's the same thing. If you have an intern, you have to figure out how to give them instructions correctly to get what you want. Same thing with AI. You've got to learn how to give the instructions. The benefit is the AI doesn't go away after a few months. Right. right. And so right. you'll be able to continue to and, and on top of that, the intern also continues to improve in that period of time. Someone said to me that that right now AI is the worst it will ever be, which is, I think, a great way of thinking about it, despite all of the flaws that ChatGPT has and that MidJourney and some of the image generators have. It's only going to get better. It's not going to get worse from here. So to me, that's incredibly exciting. And you just have to figure out how can you take advantage of that for the work that you're doing on behalf of your clients. Exactly. I completely agree. I, I mean, and also funny, it's always funny to me that people are up in arms. AI is not new. Right. <laughs> it's not just emergent. Really? We've been, we've been using AI for quite a few years. I hate to break it to you, but we really have. It's just... I think, come to the mainstream's attention at this point that we have artificial intelligence and there are some uses that are now becoming more popularized. But it's not new. Like, it's been around. Well, yeah, and, and, and part of it is that that AI is one of those terms that gets thrown around loosely and has been for many years. I mean, the, right. the number yeah. of companies that in the last decade have claimed that they used AI for this or that, and I knew how they were doing things behind the scenes, I'd be like, yeah, that's not really AI. Yeah. And, and frankly, a lot of what's being called AI today, I, I think you can debate whether it is truly AI, and it's certainly not uh, general artificial intelligence, which is something that you know is what people historically have thought of as AI. Right? You know, someone that's completely a robot that's completely autonomous goes out and acts just like a human. Yeah. We are, as far as I know, miles away from that still. Yeah. And so, but you're right, we have been using this. I mean, how long ago was it that Google Voice added automated transcription? Yeah. Right. That was a long time ago. It was at least a decade ago that they yeah. started doing it. And it and it was pretty awful when it started. I mean, yeah. I remember laughing at some of the transcriptions. I would get a voicemail. So I'd be like, Yeah, I don't think I have that kind of relationship with my brother. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it did it had some really bizarre stuff. And and even today, you know, if you look at Siri, you know, some of the stuff that 
that uh, happens that you know, some of the responses you get, they're awful. They're just yeah. awful. But we've been using that for years. And so it's it's just something that, that's going to continue to get better. We need to, to not overestimate what it can do for us today because it can't just go out and write from scratch perfectly every time. No. So if we're expecting that, Absolutely. that's a mistake. And I see some communicators who are building that into their plans. Like, you know, I, I don't have to hire a writer because I can just use AI to do this. Well, yeah, that might work occasionally, but what's going to happen when you count on it and you didn't book enough time and you didn't book a resource to be able to do it? Now you got into trouble. So you need to be thoughtful about how you use some of these technologies and tools that are still very much in their early stages. I mean, ChatGPT is often unavailable when you go to try to use it. And it's it's been getting better. I mean, I see that message a lot less often now than I did a couple of months ago. But still, sometimes it's not right there. It's your fingertips. And so right. if you're leaning on it for you know something that is urgent, I would think twice about that. Right. Or you could just pay the 20 bucks a month and always have access. I, I mean, I still get the message even with the the paid, with the pro level. Oh, I haven't been seeing it at all since the paid. So interesting. Yeah, it depends on the time of day in my experience. If it's peak East Coast times, you know, late morning, uh, that's when I tend to see it the most. But I tend to use it more in the evenings anyway. So yeah. I'm, I tend to be on calls almost all day. So Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've covered AI. What other trends are you seeing, Chip? Well, I think, you know, from a business development standpoint, anybody who is out there trying to work with clients, I think most people are seeing some degree of a slowdown in the pipeline, not necessarily in the number of prospects are in the pipeline or even the types of projects that are there, but the 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 length of time it takes to close a deal seems to be increasing for many agencies, many solos. That's not it's not across the board and I always warn people you've got to be careful because a lot of these things are very sector specific. If you're doing work in the tech space, yeah, a lot of those folks have slowed down. Some of those have cut back on the business that they're doing with outside agencies and contractors because they're trying to be more careful. If they're laying off staff, chances are they're going to cut back on their agencies too. But that does create opportunities, and so you need to be looking for those as well because if a, a company has laid off a lot of internal staff, they still have PR and marketing needs. Yeah, They might be able to turn to you on the outside to help them with that in the interim. I 100% agree. I definitely – I mean, I work at so – there has been this weird thing because the economy has, you know, been so all over the place and companies were doing layoffs, but in reality, those layoffs were not cutting to the bone. They were cutting excess because they staffed up artificially for the pandemic. So yeah, it was really a correction. So I didn't get too up in arms about that, but investors are also driving some of the reductions as they're requiring, you know, the free money era is kind of over for now because of the, you know, the interest rates and inflation and all that's going on, that money's not flowing like it was before. And so they are forcing companies that, you know, once they didn't care if you were in the red, but now it's all about, you know, being in the black, which means that they have to cut back. And and the reality is a lot of these tech staff cuts right now have very little to do with the actual economic situation. Most of them are, as as you say, because they staffed up too quickly. Mm -hmm. Some of it is because they did the dumb things that tech companies like to do, like just hiring staff so that their competitors can't have them. And so, I mean, there have been numerous stories that I've seen of large tech companies having groups of people that sit around doing nothing because they were simply hired so that they wouldn't go work for the competition. 100%. That's, That's wildly stupid. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is, which is why, you know, tech workers often had three jobs going at the same time. Right. Why not? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if yeah. I'm not being asked to do anything, I might as well double dip or triple dip. Yeah. So yeah. then they were like, oh, got laid off from my second job. So now I only have two. I mean, yeah. how ins- and you know what? I 100% admire the hustle as long as they weren't breaking their employment contracts. If you right. can do your job for three people, have at it. This, you know, most people these days have more than one gig anyway. You know, you have a gig and a side gig or a business and a side business. So maybe that's the way of the future. Yeah, I mean, and it's certainly something I'm a big believer in. I don't I don't think I've ever had uh, or haven't had a, a single source of income since I had hair and glasses. <laughs> so that was... That was decades ago. <laughs> so I, I would uh, definitely, you know, it's it's back to that old adage: don't put all your eggs in one basket. I'm a big believer in that too. Like, have multiple channels of income always, because you can't rely on one source. And if your job is your one source, as we know, you have very little control over what happens with that job. Well, I, th- I think also, you know, creative, ambitious people, variety is a good thing too. I mean, for me, that's mm-hmm. that's a big piece of it. I mean, yes, it's it's nice to have diversification, but a lot of it is just, it gives me different things to focus on at, at different yeah. points in the day or week. And so I enjoy that. And I know a lot of other people who are the same way. They just want something else to to interest them and, and pursue, and they don't have to, to worry about one thing 24-7. Yeah, it's very that's true. Great. Yeah, I think a lot of PR people are like that too. Oh my God, I think we would go insane if it was just PR. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I think that's I mean that, that's that's the other trend that we probably can touch on here, which is that you know PR is becoming much less traditional PR. Mm-hmm. Th- there are very few folks who practice PR today that can practice it the same way they did fifteen or twenty years ago. Sure, you really need to have a much broader skill set, and I think you know AI is certainly going to to accelerate that need because there's going to be a demand from clients for you to do more than simply basic media relations. And so I, you know, when I'm talking with an agency that does simply media relations, they've got to have a real strong differentiator to be able to to make a solid go of that in 2023. It's just you really need to have a much broader skill set in order to be able to work with clients effectively. Oh, I completely agree with you. The media landscape is not your friend right now. It is ugly out there. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you can't get opportunities, but but again, this is not new. I can remember saying this, you know, five years ago. Like, do not be on one lever in your public relations practice. Now, that does not mean that there are people that cannot focus and specialize. You absolutely can do that. People have done that with great success where they are honed in on a specialty and that's what they do. They don't do media relations at all. They they have a specialty. We have some pros that they only do media relations. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. Doesn't mean that they're doing it the same way that they were doing it 20 years ago, but that's their specialty. That's their area of expertise. But for those that are a little more general and have a robust practice, you need to utilize all of the things that are in our tool bag. And I think for every single person, no matter what your area of specialty is, you really need to be a strategist. I'm very surprised how many people lean on the tactical and there's no strategy and they're not aligned with the business goals. That is not going to fly going forward. You may have been able to skate by on the tactical for a period of time. I truly believe those days are over and that you 
are going to have to get very comfortable with speaking the language of the business. And you have to be very confident in presenting metrics and aligning with goals that matter, not yes. the goals that matter mm-hmm. to you as a PR person, but the goals that matter to your clients, to their business. You have to be comfortable talking about how you're supporting the bottom line. If you're not comfortable with that, you're going to not be chosen or you're not going to keep jobs with those large enterprise companies because they care. They do care about their bottom line and they care about drawing the line from PR to revenue. And and I know I've heard people say this. Well, you can't. Yes, you can. You can measure your efforts. (laughs) Well, yeah, but but also you know, measure, report your results to clients. Don't report your efforts, right? Because that that's, right. I, I mean, I, I see yeah. these reports that, that are being yeah. delivered to clients where it's like, you know, we pitched X number of reporters. Who cares? Right. I don't care how many people you pitched or how many emails you sent out. What did you generate from that? Right. Now, I'm okay with you saying, I, you know, we pitched 50 reporters and got no bites. If you're saying, look, that we need to, to look in a different direction, I think that's Absolutely. helpful. Yeah. But if you're doing it simply to say, hey, we tried really hard, Yes. Okay. I mean, th- th- there's not a participation medal here uh, no. in, in the kind of work that we do. No, no. Yeah. And- I agree. I mean, I, I recently, we had to share with a client that a particular piece of news was just not interesting to the media. And mm-hmm. so then in that case, you do need to, you know, kind of summarize what the response was, what you were hearing. And then better than that, we, we suggested a new strategic plan because this was something that they had been doing. And we said, don't do that anymore. It doesn't right. work. No right. one cares. And right. you should do that because if you're just an order taker and are executing bad orders, yeah. it's going to be reflecting on you. Yeah. They don't sit there and say, oh, I gave dumb instructions. They say, no. my agency, my solo was just awful. Yeah. Even yeah. though they were just following your instructions. So yeah. if you get bad instructions, bad guidance, bad requests, push back. Tell them it's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and that speaks back to the need to focus on strategy because you know it's like why are you doing this this way what is your goal i think that's those are the first questions you always need to be thinking of and always need to be asking and ai helps you to do that to come full circle in our i was just gonna say (laughs) (laughs) what if we had some kind of online mechanism to help us So anything else that you're saying out there, Chet, that we should be aware of? Because you deal with agencies and enterprise and you are the man in the know. You know, I, I think the, the the other thing, and I, I mean, I'm not sure whether it's a trend that something that's been going on for a long period of time, but I think because of some of the economic conditions, particularly inflation is getting worse, is the inability of folks to correctly price their services. Yeah. And, and that is something that I think is going to become an acute problem given that costs are rising so substantially for most of us in the work that we're doing, in the lives that we lead. And if you're not pricing correctly, that's a problem. And what I hear people say is, well, geez, but this this client will never pay more than this, or they've always paid this, or this is what we charge in our old agency. None of that matters. It matters how much it costs you to deliver services today. And if you're not pricing based off of what it actually costs you to deliver the services, then you're going to have a problem. And it doesn't matter whether the client's willing or unwilling to pay that amount. It's it, The reality is you got to charge more than it costs. Otherwise, you fail. I love that advice. And I would encourage our solos, you know, I've said this before, and I think we did, we added it in a recent blog post, but pricing 
is not just about the cost of the services or your cost per hour. Pricing is also a marketing strategy. Yeah. And it plays into how prospective clients see you. We all know that. It, there's definitely science behind this. And it's science that's used by everyone that sets prices. Your prices are too high, way too high, then it's going to turn your market off. Your prices are too low, it's going to cause them to think of you as a budget option. And it's going to diminish the value that they see that they get from you. And so you really have to find that place where your prices are high enough that they communicate that you are offering a quality, thoughtful service and not so low that they think of you as just, you know, a replaceable, you know, freelancer. You're just another cog. And unfortunately, I still do see so many solos price their services so low that they're they're doing things for rates that. I would not take a phone call for some of the rates that you charge a client per month. It's not enough money. So consider that. And what happens? You end up having these clients that don't want to pay you the meager amounts of money that you're charging them. They require you to over-service them for that tiny amount of money. They're the worst clients in the world. You want to price yourself higher. And I will tell you that the more money that you earn in your career it not only helps people to see you differently, it helps you to see yourself differently. It's hard to think of yourself as a value professional if you're charging a client $1,000 a month and it really should be 10. It's very, you, you start to see yourself, you shrink your own value down to that $1,000 level and not at that $10,000 level. So do yourself a favor and start to get confident to raise your rates. And you can raise them on new clients because as you get more new clients, you can then go and sift away the bottom feeders. But nobody needs that in their life. Don't do that. You know, Don't price yourself so low that people don't see the talent that you have. And then you start to believe that in your head too. And you start to become what you're charging. And that's not okay when the price is too low. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that you described pricing as a positioning tool because it yeah. absolutely is. And I, I, I think people underestimate that and the message that you send to the marketplace about the value of what you're delivering. I, I will say that I, I do – what I preach is what I call floor-to-ceiling pricing. And I do think that before you start looking at how you're using pricing for positioning or how you get into value pricing or charge premiums, you need to know your floor. And I, I think that that too many solos and, and small agencies have no idea what it truly costs them to deliver and what that minimum price is that they need to charge in order to make what they're looking to make. And I do think you need to know that floor first. Then absolutely go find that ceiling by trying these different things and, and trying different positioning and char- try value pricing and those kinds of things. But don't don't come into those things until you know what it actually costs you to deliver Otherwise, you you may be putting yourself in an even worse position. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have minimum budget amounts. We have minimum budgets for ongoing clients. We also do projects. We fit in projects every quarter. Um, we have a certain amount. And we have minimum project pricing, mm-hmm. period. Because we know that anything below that, we we can't really be affected. Yeah, and they're, it's written down. So it's not something that we have to guess at every single time. Like, oh, what should that be? No, we have a minimum. And if somebody comes in and they're below our minimum, then... 
we can say that. Like, I'm sorry, you know, this is below our minimum. If you have more budget, here's what we could do for you. Right. Exactly. And keeping in mind too, you know, there's there's room for scaling within that with your floor to ceiling concept. Absolutely. Yes, for you sure. know, yeah. I mean, you can still be effective, but just having that transparency with the the prospect or the client just so they know. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, hang out in circles, hang out with people that are where you want to be. Mm-hmm. There's something truly transformative. You know, I can remember for me, I was early on in my PR career and I was at a solo PR pro summit and they had people close their eyes and raise their hands at their rate per hour. Mm. I, you know, shiny new girl that I was, was blown away by how many people were raising their hand at charging $400 an hour. To me back then, that was like, oh my God, really? But it was eye-opening. And so being in a space with people that were charging those amounts and had been doing it and were doing well, helped me to elevate my thinking and understand what the possibilities were, because I honestly didn't know. Since then, I've been in rooms with people in different industries. You know, I was with somebody recently that, you know, had a $10 million project and it wasn't $10 million for 10 years. (laughs) And all he did was think it was just strategy. And I'm like, Dreamy strategist too. I'm actually really good (laughs) at strategy. But again, being in rooms with people that are doing exactly what you're capable of, you you have a brain, you know how to think, you know how to use it and seeing what others are willing to pay for that really does help you to start to get outside of your own box. And it starts to erase the limitations that we sometimes place on ourselves. And so I would advise you to do that. Stop hanging out with people that are charging $50 an hour and start going into those spaces where people are charging more, getting more, learning what they're doing and hearing that and adopting that for yourself. And, and, And I know plenty of solos who charge less than $50 an hour, which is crazy in 2023. I mean, these are people with decades of experience. It's just, it makes no sense to me. You Mm. need to know how to understand your own worth. You need to be realistic about it because otherwise you will continue to sell yourself short. And good clients are willing to pay more than you think they are. Right. The bad clients are the ones who want to nickel and dime you. And micromanage you for, you know, just to top it all off. And, you know, and, and I would say even practitioners who sometimes they may be doing it just maybe it's at the tail end of their career and it's just for fun or, or to keep them busy. But, you know, please don't undercut your prices because that hurts the whole profession. So get that money <laughs> that you deserve. And, yeah. it you know, it, it lifts all of us to where we really should be. Amen. And that sounds like a good note to does. end on <laughs> that we should use AI, charge higher prices. Think better of yourself and you'll do better work for your clients. But before we go, and Michelle's going to take us out, I just want to remind everybody that we recently reached a huge milestone of recording over 200 episodes of this program. Did we're, we did. We're, we're working on ourselves. <laughs> and we want to reach more people because there aren't a lot of PR focused podcasts that have been around for as long as we have. And we've been really consistent and we feel like we're just getting started. Yeah, We're having the time of our life. We get to talk with great smart thinkers like Chip. So please, 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 before you exit with us today, hit the subscribe button, follow our channel, 
Subscribe to us, follow us on your favorite podcast app. We always have the podcast also on our website mm-hmm. at soloprpro.com. You just hit the backslash button for the podcast. You can listen there, but please subscribe and share, 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 share. We want you to tell all of your other colleagues about it. And even the people that aren't in PR can gain something from the episodes because we talk about a lot of business topics that apply outside of our industry. So do us that favor and thank you for staying with us, but please share, please like, stay tuned, more to come, (laughs) more chip to come. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I'll even issue a challenge. If you found one good nugget in today's episode, because thanks to Chip and this great conversation, we definitely have several. Use that, share that, tag us at Solo PR. That would be wonderful. Be good for you, good for us, good for everybody. But we also want to thank Chip Griffin for spending all this time with us. He is with the Small Agency Growth Alliance. Please check them out. What's the best URL for that, Chip? Smallagencygrowth.com. Boom. We thank you so much for spending this time with us. And until next time, thanks for joining us on That Solo Life. <laughs> <laughs>